one. And we are recording with Ron Mueller, who just endorsed me for president on the uh, stipulation that I promised to sniff more kids, both foreign and domestic. And uh, I did. Jesus. Did, I, did I effectively lose you for all future episodes? <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Ron wow. did not say that. Uh, I speak of course for I my. Didn't. Of course, yeah. Why don't you need to clarify that? Of course, I fucking didn't. You retard. Hey, Ron just told me. No, no he, anybody yeah. watching this is no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Ron, Ron's getting community service hours for doing this podcast. I think it's because I'm a good interviewer. Ron's getting fucking time off of like a you know a fender bender you did two decades ago. They're they're like, hey, we'll keep you out of prison if you uh. You're supposed commu- to tell anybody. Yeah, do some community service with this uh this this retard. Actually, like, I uh, am doing a I am doing something. I'm uh I'm substitute teaching. Oh, what got you into yeah. that? Uh, you want you've got to help uh you know help your uh, help your community where you can. And there's a shortage of teachers That's and cool. substitute teachers here in uh the the Lee Deadwood South Dakota area. So I raised my hand and said, yeah. And they they looked at my uh all my college transcript says, yeah, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I start Wednesday. That's awesome. Yeah. The uh, comedian Tim Dillon always talks about, uh, he's, I think he's the funniest guy alive, but he talks about like, when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You ever ask anyone what they actually do in their community? Like, you have your ladled soup. You ever picked up recycling? He's like, they look at you like you have two heads. Like, what, what are you talking about? No, that's gross. It's it's all about hashtags and profile pictures. And right. li- listening to him say that, like, two months ago, it finally dawned on me. And I was like, I bitch about it, and I don't do, I don't do a goddamn thing. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, on the first of the month, I take, you know, I don't, I don't have a whole lot left over, but I take like 20, 30 bucks. And I just went to like the local homeless shelter. I didn't even know. I never knew it existed. And then mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I drove to that part of town and I'm like, just looking around, like my jaw open. Like, yeah, I didn't know this level of poverty was just around the corner. And I was like, it is. It's like, what do you guys and then you scored drugs. I did. Well, I bought a lot of Coke and now I'm moving it and stepping on it. And because that's what's going to fund the podcast because YouTube's Perfect. not helping me. So now I'm hoping to get in with <laughs> maybe four that the whole it's a whole cover me interviewing you and Dale. I'm trying to build up a team to be part of a, a foreign gun running team. But no, I went there and, you know, <laughs> my first jackass mind is like, I don't even know what they need. And like little shit, they're like, you know, what we would love. They're like, we would love just like linens. And it was just yeah, like. Yeah. And I like left there and I was like, simple things. They, they need clean sheets. And so I was like, geez, so I went to Walmart and just got like a ton of sheets. And like, they hugged me after. And I was like, and I just let, I actually left there feeling like more of a piece of shit for never doing it before. Well, and I was you like, did. that's the important thing. But the, but the point is, is it is, it is a good moment where you go, what am I doing? Yeah, what are you? What are people? What doing? are you actually doing? And then, I mean, yeah, 
doesn't take up a lot. I mean, you know, go buy some extra cans of crap food at the, yeah. at the supermarket. Well, I, no, I shouldn't say crap food, but just the food that you wouldn't normally do, but yeah. stuff that's on sale. And hey, there's a food bank somewhere and just drop it off. I mean, yeah. you know, um, or help uh, help distribute um, bags of food to uh, the shut-ins and things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, we also uh, on Christmas, you know, there's a not on Christmas, but just before the holidays, there's a big community uh, feast, if you will. And basically, that's what we do is we uh, we feed the uh, the less fortunate. It's yeah. it's the way to give back to the community. Yeah. Know, it's I mean, there's just so many ways. All people have to do is get their get their you know carcasses out of out of their basement and their faces out of social media and just go look around. You know, yeah. go to the church, go to the local churches and things like that. You'd be surprised what, you know, what they could use help with. You know, like you got an old refrigerator, an old freezer, you know, yeah. the, the mother-in-law's decomposed enough in it. You know, yeah, you, know, you, you get rid of her. She's get fertilizer. Rid of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, reduce, you know, reuse, just, recycle. You know, just, you know, take take old folks to uh, to medical appointments, you know. you know, and to, I yeah. mean, there's just a zillion things that people can do. It And it is... I mean, it's both like depressing, but then it's also like it's inspiring because, well, first of all, you go do it. And then, like I said, you feel like a piece of shit for never doing it. But and you're like, they weren't even asking for they're asking for 30 bucks of linens. And you're like, yeah. good Lord. And then the, but then you go do it and you're like. Well, that wasn't so I was like, let's keep it real. It's like whenever I start like a, like a new workout or whatever i'm always like because whenever you start something new be it this podcast or or workout or, or you know a new year's day diet you always go in and you have beginner's luck and you're always like we're gonna do a 90 hours of cardio a day <laughs> and then like 10 days in you're like jesus i'm not doing this anymore so i've i've learned through the years like keep it very find a realistic goal and yeah. then do 50 percent of that and if you can pace do yourself that, yeah so like i decided i was like so was like the first of the month i was like i'm gonna go buy and then i was like Hold on. No, because I'm going to burn out. So I decided like the first I'll go on the first of the month. And yeah, I have to do like one less podcast that day and I got to go make a round trip and it's, you know, whatever. It's a retarded drive. But like if I've done it two months in a row now and I'm like, I can oh, do good. this. And it's for a second time, like brought linens. And I was just like, this is. But then so the point of like it becoming like. Like optimistic is you're like. Oh, like this this is how you make your community better. It's not going to be some grandiose, a $19 trillion bipartisan deal with 19 other nations. And it's like, no, you you don't. And the government's not, and the government's not doing it. Citizens are helping citizens. Yeah. And there is some, that's part. There's something about no one telling you to do it and not, it not being required. Mm -hmm. And it is like, Oh, you really can just do something tiny. And it is, yeah, I mean, there is there is a little silver lining in like a seemingly bleak world. You're like, oh, I can do that instead of sitting around. The world's so pointless. Why am I doing anything? And it's like, dude, you can literally go grab the cheapest pair of like twin twin mattress sheets. Mm-hmm. And someone will give you a bear hug and be like, you don't know how much this is going to. And you're like, I bitch when like my like kitchen sink doesn't drain correctly. And I'm like, <laughs> now I come home to it and then I'm like, I have my own bed. I do a podcast from my own apartment. I can put the thermostat on whatever I want. And there's someone that just gave me a bear hug because I brought Walmart brand linens. Yeah. And you're like, all right. All right. Yeah. It's um, the simple things. Yeah. 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 And, uh, 
So um, what we were talking about beforehand, not about you endorsing me, which you didn't do yet. You, no, you've, not you've at had, all. Not at all. I a, I endorse you for the wood chipper if you do uh, if you do run on the pedophile platform. It's an endorsement, nonetheless, and I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take Pete it first. Another wood chipper. You dude. go. You go to war with the army. You have. I'll take an endorsement for oh, what it for thank what you it is. So much. <laughs> um, but uh, I saw I saw that you had uh, tweeted and. It's actually a picture of, of the a guy in the picture, something I have seen before. I recognize, I don't know who it is, but it was about uh the, like the Alpha Team, the first uh, yeah. I guess uh special activities division or first paramilitary group or whatever you want to call it in it was October. The first agency team. Okay, and, and it was, it was in, a mixture of of a, of a lot of different okay. MOSs, if you will, and and uh, you know from different directorates as well as from the U.S. Army. So okay. And that was so that and that was today. So that was October seventeenth, two thousand one. So that was Correct. the that was the first wave. Well, that was that was the team Alpha, the the Northern Alliance liaison team, the Gary Schrone team that a lot of people conflate these two with, was already in the Panjshir Valley, and um, that book is called First In, and that was written by Gary Schrone, who just passed away uh, unfortunately just a few months ago. Um, so the Northern Alliance was the old, uh, oh God, uh, Ahmed Shah. Oh, is it Ahmed Shah? Shit. I can't remember. Oh. Damn it. I'm doing, I'm doing a brain fart here, but it was the, uh, the resistance to the Taliban okay. in the Panjshir. And, um, so throughout the years, the, uh, after the fall of the, after the Soviets left and the Taliban won the civil war, um, the, uh, agency at the behest of the U S government. Uh, maintained a small liaison element with those uh, resistance fighters in the Panjshir. Um, it wasn't a constant presence, you know. It you know went through several rotations, um, and it was always you know dependent on the uh, the kindness of the uh, Tajikistan's and Uzbekistanis and what all up up north of us to you know for a, a place to launch from. So anyways, but yeah, that, so there was team alpha and I mean, it, we, we ran through, I think about half the alphabet by the time, uh, by the time the U S army proper showed up, you know, we had teams everywhere. So, you know, you weren't a real warlord in Afghanistan unless you had your own agency liaison team. That is something to aspire towards. And my massive pallets of cash. Is that how you know you made it? Is that like the equivalent of? Is that like the equivalent of like the NFL draft? Like you just see the guy and like the you know the single mom crying and he's you know you made it you go sign with whoever and you're you're good. Is that it? Like you go home something to mom, like that. yeah. He, something he gives you a big bear. bear hug and your dad's like, "What was it?" And you're like, "The agency showed up and he's just like my boy." Yeah, and lots of AK-47 rounds flying into the air. You yeah, know, everybody starts shooting some Hiluxes and pallets of cash. Yeah, what am no, I doing? Not... What am I doing? Oh, trying to do a podcast? I should be in. You should be you should be a revolutionary. Yeah, I should be in go. some Afghani valley. No, you shouldn't. No, <laughs> not I now. Should, I, no, I, no, not at all. Do you think that you think no. I'd stick out like a sore thumb? <laughs> um, but, yeah, but anyways, yeah. Is but I think the... it's important. The, the The important point here is that, um, so you know, September 11th happened, and you know, everybody's running around. Oh, what are we going to do? And you know, the military, you know, Rumsfeld and, um, oh shoot, who was, and, and, uh, General Frank, um, whatever his name was there, uh, the, the commander of CENTCOM, um, you know, they were, they were flat footed and they just couldn't get off the dime. 
and uh, you know even the vaunted rangers i mean this is the rangers before they changed through the course of the gwat you know not the delta not the seals not the not the anybody you know the agencies the you know hey we can do this we're we got we're, we're flexible we're small yeah. enough and and um self-motivating and and uh you know we can we could do this and we did and it pissed off rumsfeld to no end good and lord you th- he hated it, us for that which is so odd because you know there's always and it's never going to go away it's been here since the dawn of time and it'll be here forever doesn't matter if it's America or a predecessor or a successor, but it's right. It's the rivalries between different branches, different factions, different FIFA. That's here to the end of time. It's right. It doesn't matter. Um, the polite term is creative friction. Assholes. And, <laughs> and, uh, but right. And you kind of see that leading up to nine 11, uh, James Bamford talks a lot about it in his book, uh, shadow factory, the post nine 11 ultra secret NSA. And you do see the, you know, the colloquial, the chatter, the terrorist murmur. And in hindsight, you see like, oh, well, you know, the NSA was, you know, surveilling this team and the CIA was watching this team and the FBI had this thing. And had yep. they, nego- you know, not negotiated, been less. Cross- if, we, if we talk to one another. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, there's always hindsight's 2020. And well, the entire thing is compartmentalization is what keeps moles from being so destructive, like a Kim Philby or something. So there is, you know, it's always easy to pl- play Monday morning quarterback. But right. Um, that's odd though, because that's post nine eleven. That's so. This is well. We're you know we've got to remember that you know we we've had twenty years of post nine eleven. But I'm talking October. Well, it, but people are still people are still using the old playbook. They're still reacting the old way, and um, except for the agency, I mean, Kofer Black. Say what you will about him. That that dude was he was a visionary. He was he was a leader. He uh, he motivated people to get out the door. I got um, nothing bad to say about him. No, I I, well, there's some people that do, but whatever. You know, everybody's got their opinion. Th- those people that have that a negative opinion about him, they're wrong, but that's yeah. okay. Um, yeah. No, but Kofer was good, and and you know, a lot of a lot of um, great agency officers rose to the occasion, and a lot of great military people rose to the occasion, and conversely, a lot of not so good people rose to or you know became sea anchors and and held us back a lot. Hmm. So it was uh, not a good thing. I, a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed Rick Prado and he was mm-hmm. talking about, yeah, Kofor Black. He had nothing but nothing but glowing things to oh, say. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, Rick's, Rick's an awesome dude himself. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's trying to put it together and it's not guaranteed. And even if it does happen, I might only be able to get to do like a 60 second interview. But there's like a 50 50 chance uh, in November I'm going to go meet Billy Waugh. Which is wow, yeah, I'll, very cool. I'll I I, re, I remember Billy when he showed up in Kabul. Yeah, and, you know he was like, "Who the <laughs> hell's this guy?" And and uh, but yeah, I mean Billy was a tremendous uh, individual, great American. Gave me his card. Really? I, I've never reached out to him or anything like that. But I mean he uh, he was he was just good people. Yeah, you know he uh, he only cared about the mission and motivated everybody around him to uh, to do things. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, he won't remember me, and that's okay. Because I just, I was just honored that I got to shake his hand and yeah. meet him. But so, um, yeah, Billy was a, a freaking legend, dude. I know he's 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 ninety three right now, and uh, Mr. Prado told me he was like, "Just understand, he's like, he will still kill you with his cane." And I was like, "I will show up in my <laughs> Sunday best," and uh, you know, um, yep, show him I, respect. Oh, I, I, I know. I, I'm not 
I'm not trying to push. I was, honestly, I'll be happy to just go say hi to him. He doesn't even have to do an interview. I don't. I don't. I, I know everything about him, but I'll just I'll, sit down and listen and let him tell a war story or two. Yeah, I mean, I that, he he entertained the shit out of us in Afghanistan talking about there he was in Vietnam or Laos or, or Cambodia or, or and, Korea or yeah or, yeah. or elsewhere. You know, yeah. it was like he drops a name and you're like, were we supposed to be there? And he's like, yeah, oh, he's, just forget I, that. I can't really tell you this, but and he goes and tells us, and we're like. Well, cool. I guess we're in the tactical skiff here in the middle of the Ariana Hotel in Kabul, so it's all good. <laughs> I got I got to go shooting with Dale like a year ago. No, more like a year and a half ago. And he'd, and he'd be like, uh, you know, I'd be, you know, because I'm a loser. I'm like, you know, videotaping Dale shooting. One time he was like, man, one time we were working with uh, Tom, put your phone down. And I was like, why? And he was like, just put it down. So one time we were working with so and so, and I was like. We're supposed to, and he was like, "No." I was like, "Noted." Yeah. Well, there was there was a there was a lot of things that. Wait a minute, aren't aren't we like have sanctions against these people and that sort of thing? So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. At the risk of having Dale kill me, I'll just stop talking now. But um, probably good. Probably <laughs> probably good. Yeah, but it's also like at the same time, it's almost like for me, it's almost like grow up and it's like of course we're doing x y and z right Mm -hmm. it's that's that's that that is that is modern warfare you know as i speak from all my wisdom of uh having a biology degree and doing a podcast and slippers but nonetheless so back to the um at least you're wearing pants have you seen pants yet i'm just gonna make an educated man does not just wear slippers and a t-shirt i mean otherwise his nether regions might get chilly well, wait, you turn your thermostat all the way up to like 85. No, or no, 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 opposite. No, I do down, 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 down. Oh, so you turn it down to 69 just so you can be ready. 55. That's what I roll it. I love it. The ice cold. Okay. It keeps my, my, it makes my white skin even whiter. It makes me glow. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I, wear, I know, no, I wear, I wear, <laughs> I wear, I wear pants. Today I'm wearing pants. But that's, you know, that's half the fun of the podcast is you don't, is he wearing pants? We don't know this. It's, yeah, yeah. is Ron wearing pants? We don't know. Ron's wearing Ron's wearing sweatpants. No, well, so am I. But well, there you go. If 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 the kind of uh, if the centcom, if if Rumsfeld, um, what I meant to say earlier is, you know, we ha- it's when you look at history, it's you know pre nine eleven. They they're not communicating. There's not that flow of information. Mm-hmm. And then you have this post nine eleven where all of a sudden it's like we got to start change. You know, we got to change. We have to adapt. All that good stuff. But what I pointed out was post 9-11, and I mean like a month later, 20, right. 20, 21 years ago today, you do start to make the changes. Like you said, we're flexible enough. It's covert enough. It's, you know, the CIA is a, a lot like DARPA in that there is not an entrenched bureaucracy. It's stick and move. Well, there is. I mean, but the relative uh, to the massive bigger, military, bigger government. You know, I, I get that. But there I mean, what um. There was um, I, I was used to observe to uh, some people when we got frustrated by some of the bureaucrats in the agency as as the GWAT continued. Um, I said there's a lot of nine ten people in the nine twelve world. Okay, all right. And they they still hadn't because they as, as, after the immediate emotional you know aftermath and you know that those first three to six months of of the of the war in Afghanistan, you know then people started going. Okay, never mind. We'll go back to the way we used to do things. But they okay. didn't exactly, but for the some part. So Okay. So it's that whole it's 
it's the it's, first it's the first two weeks of a new year well, i'm a new man right. i'm gonna die and then by february you're like or i'll maybe i'm gonna drink some butt heavy at sunrise and it's like right. that's all right apologize for my dog barking in the background i don't care dude the animals no, will okay. join us yeah i don't care no um, join us. you'll lick the screen he can join i don't give a shit i don't, no, I don't discriminate right. um <laughs> but then why was there why was there why why was Rumsfeld and CENTCOM why were they so pissed off? It's immediately after nine eleven. You'd think there would be initiative for it, but it's like the rubble is still hot and they're right. like, Why did you do that? Why did you take away is it am I putting words in their mouth? But like why did you no. take away our glory? Well, no, they they I mean, because you know the Bush administration, you know, gave them, you know, right of first refusal and they couldn't come up with a plan. And CENTCOM you know, had a lot that they said, well, it's too hard to do. It's too far away. You know, we, we can't get there from here, blah, 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 blah. And also remember, you know, the, uh, the, bureauc- the bureaucracy of the DOD was undergoing a, a change. The, uh, the chairman of the uh, Joint Chiefs of Staff was switching out the end of September, 1st of October. So there was a lot of, you know, like, well, nothing's going to be decided till the new chairman shows up. And, um, well, you know, Tenet and Kofor Black went into the Oval Office and said, we can do this. We've, we've proven it with our guys going into the Panjshir, and we have that capability. We have teams ready to go. We've identified the, the major warlord players that we need, um, you know, like Dostum, which is what where the first casualty people went. And then they, 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 they morphed into another, or another team got created out of them and then augmented to uh, work with Ada. And then, of course, we had teams out in Herat and down south in, in the Kandahar area and, and uh, in uh, eastern Afghanistan around the coast area and, and, you know, other places. So, I mean, it was we we had, to, you know, the agency remembered Afghanistan. We hadn't memory hold it or anything like that. And as we were racking up victories or, you know, making progress in ad- advancing the policy goals of the U.S. government, hey, you know, Rumsfeld's like shit, I need to get off the dime here because, you know, otherwise my budget's going to get cut or I can't mm-hmm. do this. And uh, so finally they were able to put stuff together. But, you know, the 900-pound gorilla kind of lumbered lumbered into the into the ring a little late. Yeah. Now, is that is that always sort of the um, – is that the status quo that – I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, before, of course, like big – as they always call it, big mill. Before, like, the right. big military arrives, you're always going to have the more uh, specialized, smaller footprint teams. But prior to even that, like you were saying, pre-Dev – or not, not pre-their formation, but pre-Dev grew in Delta in Afghanistan – you have the paramilitary teams mm-hmm. uh, that, yeah, the agency boys. And, and they were augmented by specialized you know, sure. SF guys and things like, you know, guys that had certain skill sets. Yeah. Is that is, but that's, that's the norm, correct? Where it's, well, that's the norm. I mean, that's been the norm since, you know, the agency first, you know, yeah, I mean, under, undertook, you know, title 50 actions, you know, you know, the authority, uh, you know, yeah. we have the authorities, the presidential authorities to do covert actions. First, yeah, option, so, right. Eisenhower sending them to South America. Yeah, and uh, you know uh, who who sent us to uh, Angola and Namibia and Mozambique and other fun places. Yeah, yeah, but but I that don't... is that is the that is the, I mean that truly is is the tip of the spear. Um, no, no, I always joke. I always say the tip of the spear is about a hundred meters behind me. Oh, gee, that's terrifying. 
Well, I mean, and that's that's kind of what's expected of us. I mean, that's why if you if you read the book First Casualty, these guys went in, they didn't have they couldn't call in air support, not like yeah. you know, they couldn't call in Kazavak. There's no um, search and rescue. They, you know, I mean the uh, you know, when they wanted um, resupply drops, it was it wasn't like the next day. It was it was a, a several day coordination thing and it was it was frustrating because you know, Everything I just said about the military is, is true from my my perspective, but we also depend on them to provide a lot of the logistical stuff because they do have all the stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was always uh, interesting to uh, negotiate with them to get stuff and uh, to you know make so or to get the stuff transported to where we then could could take it in or or like they would rig it for airdrops and so on. but in the in the book first casualty which um is really super well written and very detailed um it's uh it, it talks a lot about that just you know the the logistical challenges that they faced i mean they 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 didn't know if they were ever coming back yeah. i mean when they went there they were they were going into the heart of darkness and you know all they had were their sat satcom radios and um you know the uh, the weapons they carried and some money and language capabilities and uh, some some nascent relationships with uh with dostum and places like that so i'm gonna make a note of the book right now so i don't forget to buy it when we get it out right um and actually what i'd like to say is i think it's it it, it um it completes the trilogy of of the uh, initial u.s the, the successful part of our involvement in Afghanistan. I mean, the first book written was first in by Gary Schroen, uh, which was written at the behest of the agency because we had to toot our own horn. And it, it, it's also a, a, sure. a well-written book. And then uh, Gary Bernstein uh, wrote the follow-on Jawbreaker, which talked about as, after Gary transitioned out, he took over. So we had Gary and then Gary one and then Gary two. And then he talked, and that takes us up and through Tora Bora uh-huh. and, you know, the escape of UBL, Osama bin Laden into Pakistan, things like that. But the missing piece was always that part about Mike Spann and, and Team Alpha and things like that. And uh, so that's kind of the trilogy, the way I look at it. And hopefully someday other people will write about Team Baker and Charlie and Delta and Echo and, you know, so on and so forth, down, down the phonetic alphabet. Team so, Ron. No, no, no. Ron, 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 Ron got there. Ron got there in the third wave. So, or second wave. I don't remember, but you know, I got, I got there early enough that I, you know, now, I, am, I felt part of it. Now, am I viewing it incorrectly? And I think the answer is yes, because I never know how I'm viewing this shit. Everything I say is cycle is just regurgitated stuff I've learned from audiobooks or from former podcast guests. Is there is there an allure to it? I mean, obviously, it's duty. You're doing the most difficult thing because someone has to, and someone has to step up and do it. Is there an allure in knowing that you can't get any higher than that? I mean, you go in, and you know that you can't call in airs. I mean, I would imagine just from a – I mean, right, because these things are filled with, with alpha males, right? It, it is, no matter what you say uh, what you want. It's about like, yeah. fuck yeah, I did this. There's got to be something about no. Actually, that. actually, actually, they're the quiet alpha males. The, we're the the original. I mean, I talk about it now, so everybody's going to laugh when they hear this. And I say, but we're the quiet professionals. Sure. I mean, those guys on in that photo, which are on the cover of the book, um, or in the in the photos in the book, 
they, I mean, this is the first time they've talked about this after yeah. 20 years. And so, you know, I don't know if allure is the right word. I, th I think there was just um, a quiet determination, uh, confidence in yourself, confidence in your teammates. And um, just, you know, you, you knew you were doing the righteous thing. I think allure probably is an incorrect term. That's okay. You're just showing off your biology degree. I got it. Is an allure by is allure by? I don't know. Term? I'm just I'm just I'm just busting on you, dude. Oh, I don't. I was like I was trying to think, and I was like I I thought I did well in biology. I don't fucking remember allure. I was like, oh Christ, you know. Here I am. I haven't used that term once with a doctor. But there's got to be something about, and maybe it is only in hindsight, or maybe it maybe it's from some like my standpoint where I like I love viewing things in hierarchies and you know increasing tiers of of uh, competence, be it you know, studying or special forces or whatever. But there's got to be something about going in and not having, you know, the that immediate, you know, the defense logistics agency having your right. back. We can call in whatever we want when there's got to be something, you know, we're, you know, we're not going in with high speed Gucci gear. It's like we're going in with like, you know, a, well, a they, were wearing blue, they were wearing blue jeans. Yeah. Yeah. That a I turban mean, and, and like an old AK with sand in it. Like, no, we kept our weapons clean. Come on. All right. Man. Well, fuck me. All right. Well, I'm just I'm just batting zero percent with Ron. No, you're you're doing fine. No, I but I I think I think the important thing is they they lived, they used their wits. Yeah. And they used their their training and their their ability to build rapport and to, you know, get supplies, but more importantly, information from from our friend the friendly allies we had out there, and then they were able to call in airstrikes as a as the DOD got off the dime and things yeah. like that. So now this is all wild speculation for uh just to ensure that uh Ron and I don't end up in 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 prison. Um, I get the top bunk. I get whatever. I'll, I don't give a shit. I'll, I'm lord of the ground. I want the cold air. But we will be roomies and it will be glorious. <laughs> Can we extrapolate and speculate wildly that something equivalent to a team like this would be the first in or already are active in something like Taiwan or yeah I I won't speculate I won't say I I'm I I've been retired for 9 years now so okay. I uh you know and and <clears throat> you know from a personal opinion I I would hope not you know you know you know, Taiwan, Ukraine, Iran. Oh, I, oh, I don't want them there. I, I no, don't I don't want them there, there either. I, because, I mean, the thing, got to remember that when, when these guys went in, they, they knew they had the full backing and support of the U.S. government and the American people. Sure. And, and because they knew eventually that others would follow and, and reinforce them and, and that sort of thing. I mean, so to extrapolate that and say, like, and we'll pick on Ukraine because that's been in the news and people are speculating that there's U.S. soft teams and agency teams running around the battlefield giving giving the Ukrainians all that high speed targeting data so they can take out, you know, the, you know, the Russian general command post or whatever. So, yeah, but, you know, that's that's a policy decision that if you get caught. I mean, it's really, you know, Mr. Phelps, we will disavow you. And oh, yeah, you're, you're effing toast. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's, it's not, you know, like when these guys went in, I mean, they knew that they would be avowed. They, you know, they, they weren't going in like, how do you say, like, like 
we don't have the backing of it. We're we're yes, we're they're a, a, a clandestine outfit, but I mean they the people they were working with all knew who they were, and so it was and and the Taliban knew they were at war with the United States, so it wasn't like a, a big yeah. stretch. I, I, so no, I, no. I guess we're kind of batting around the edges on this thing, but no, that's an important distinction. Is no one, no one would have batted an eye if you were like some CIA paramilitary guys were caught in Afghanistan. It was like, yeah, no, sh- it, it's yeah, it's six weeks after nine eleven. Like, yeah, what? Are you surprised? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad they didn't get caught because but, they but yeah, had no, a good time. But, but right. you're correct in that it's not that normal like full plausible deniability like we don't know who you are it's right yeah, like what well, yeah what you surprised yeah, yeah. they're there oh, you're you're part of the malcolm nance uh you know 31st morale division or something like that Whatever. yeah I don't it, know. yeah 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 no 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 one's batting an eye that they're in afghanistan like okay yeah sure right versus and again not i don't want them in taiwan or ukraine that's no no part of me does but it's more so i'm trying to detach myself and look at just from a history of title 50 and these mm-hmm. things going places that it really is plausible than i you know be it south america be it you know right you right. know funding yeah. what, 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 for che Guevara and things yeah. like that what was in the, the 50s day. like the 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 greek like the, some greek election i think or italy well, the greek it, civil war the late 40s early 50s yeah, yeah i mean yeah. you have all that stuff that but is, you got, the other thing is is you know <clears throat> we don't go in just because oh look there's a war over here let's go let's go sure. muck around and let's let's hey mr president here please sign this finding that we drafted for you i mean there has to be u.s policy behind it and and some sort of goal that the U.S. government wants to achieve, um, you know, like uh, when we were uh, back in the uh, 70s in Angola, um, what did we want to achieve? We we wanted to keep the Cubans from overrunning the uh, the Western-oriented rebels and try to at least so so they would all come to the negotiating table, at least bring them to a stalemate and. Uh, so, and I think we reasonably successful that the Cubans got their nose, noses bloodied pretty bad. Um, we didn't do any fighting there per se. I mean, we, we, but we made sure like, okay, what do you guys need? And uh, that sort of thing. Sort of like what supposedly special forces teams do when they go in behind enemy lines to raise, you know, rebel resistance forces, that sort of thing. But again, you know, that's a, that's a title 10 thing. You know, that's, you got to wear uniforms and you mm-hmm. come under the laws of land warfare, you know, Geneva convention, yada, yada, yada. You got to wear a uniform, you know? Um, but if you go in as title 50, you get to wear blue jeans and, and, uh, and a shirt you just picked up from REI. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so, and you don't have any, I mean, you're not carrying like a, I mean, later on, we all carried American flags and things like that on us, but, you know, but it was pretty obvious who we are and type thing. But, it's it's it there's there's some there's some little nuances that have to have to go on to uh to make title 50 operations more uh plausible and and more doable and Mm -hmm. and you know there has to be a chance of success i mean i'm not you you know no president including pudding brain wants to send uh anybody to certain death yeah or to you know i mean there there has to be because you, you know, you're the president pudding brain and you're going to say, Hey, I need you to go do this. And I'm going to make a personal judgment. Like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm yeah, sorry. I'm, a, I'm not, I, I'm a volunteer. I don't have to do that. 
Yeah. yeah, I might get fired from my job and I'll never work in Washington, D.C. again. Yay. But, you know, I'm alive. And Yeah. Know. Yeah. We want you to go personally put a butt plug in Kim Jong-un. And you're like, no. Oh, no. No, that's that's too hands-on. But no, no, and it's that is an important clarification. It's not just some, you know, kind of like liberal trope idea of, oh, there's a war and America's getting involved. No, it's 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 policy it's a it's a larger picture for instance right. it's called like domino theory right containing communism you do want to sway them and and oftentimes it is you you put some paramilitary guys in there that is the lesser of american involvement because if you don't right. touch it and x y and z happens it might be a decade removed but then you will have marching armies right and exactly it, it, you're often choosing the you know it's the ounce of prevention's worth a pound of cure right um so, and I know you say you don't want to speculate, so I won't harp on it, but that's to clarify, that's what I was just when I said Ukraine, Taiwan, whatever. Right. I, I'm not, this isn't me going, let's get in there. I'm just trying to look at it more <laughs> objectively and be like, observing history, whether I want to or not, I would argue that they are probably there. Probably. So I was looking at just more of like an objective detachment. They're probably there and it will probably never be declassified. But, I don't want to put you on the spot and have us no, both. I, I don't know anything about it. I would, I would speculate as well, and it'd just be, I'd be talking out my ass. Well, I, that's what so, I do every day. Yeah, that's I've right. somehow, somehow turned into a paycheck. So it's, you're in good company, man. Just <laughs> fuck all this verifying and then you know sourcing your information. You can just spew wildly, and people will follow you. Well, yeah, I, I could work for the New York Times. Yeah, you could work for me. Just lead my popular uprising based on nothing. You just start screaming about it. <laughs> If you get get me a one of those central intelligence agency shirts, and that yeah, that no. that'll really that'll really start getting some that'll really start getting some traction. There was actually I remember seeing on like Reddit in like twenty twenty. I've been banned from Reddit twenty eight times, and I finally thought I got away after I moved, and I tried to make an account last week, and I got suspended again. So I don't know if they've got like my metadata tagged or something. <laughs> I didn't even want to do anything controversial. I was just like commenting on some banned forum and I got banned two days in. It's like, you've been, you've been avoiding our, our banning. I was like, what a fucker. But before <laughs> I was banned for like the 28th time, there used to be like uh when I would post this podcast early on, cause I was just, I still do. But early on, I was really getting guests that I had no business talking to. I and mean, at least now I have like a studio and I kind of can bullshit my way into acting like I know what I'm doing. But, you know, when I was doing this thing in just like a like a neon, like uh, like orange fuzzy jacket above my parents garage <laughs> in a room that echoed with a shit laptop. And I was interviewing like General Spaulding, who flew B2 Spirits. It right. didn't it didn't fit. It was like, what's what? It, who owes who something? And but I would have people comment like eventually I saw this thing and people were like, I've seen this before. I have no doubt in my mind. This is an Air Force like a uh, recruitment campaign. Because like 200 episodes in, I got the head of NASA JPL, Rob Manning, and all the rovers they do. Charlie Duke, the youngest man to walk on the moon. And I was flattered by it because to me, that just means that someone somewhere thinks that I'm acting too competent. Well, I'm like, mm -hmm. hey, that's, that, there's validation. There you go. And then and I had on Colonel Bennon a couple weeks ago, and we did uh, the his book Baltic Chain. I think like 24 hours later, like Nord Stream 2 blew up. And so now I'm just like, now I just kind of want to lean in and like every once in a while, like wear the shirt you're wearing, but just out of screen. And someone just was like, is that the CIA logo? Just, 
and then I'll like I'll take down the episode surreptitiously. Like I kind of want to just lean into that. And I, I I didn't even think about. It. I put the shirt on this morning after you know, and I go, oh shit. Well, it was in the it was in the. I have a shirt rotation. You know, I sort of like, you know, I I have so many polo shirts that if I have to wear one at it, you know, and I just yeah. kind of go through the line. And this. I'll go get an FBI one if that makes people that feel would, bad. That would be fucking great. No, I have like five <laughs> of these long sleeve shirts, and yeah, no, I go through them during the week. It's just all I wear. Yeah, them. yeah Mike Bennett isn't isn't he a tremendous, tremendous an, American? And his, I I genuinely love his writing. Oh yeah, it's fucking He's, great. Well, I, I I told him after I I haven't I've never met him in person. I we've only met via um, podcasts and things like that because. You know, I used to participate in a podcast that he's he's still on, um, and I won't pitch them here because I don't like them. So, what uh, is the conflict or Council on Future Conflict? It's on YouTube. It's anyways, neither here nor there. But uh, I'll throw shit. But, at him. I don't give a shit. Let's get some let's get some traction going. There's no such thing with bad these, PR. These, you know, the, the the never mind. They endorsed I, me I for child sniff for 2024. Stop it. I'll, I'm on Team Ron. I'll, I'm full Stop loyalty. I'll start it. throwing. I'll, me. I'll be your You're proxy army. Me. You tell me what you want said. No, but but I I talked to Mike and I I read his I read his books except for his the newest one because I haven't gotten around to it yet. But I started reading it and I'm like, this dude stole my syllabus, my some of my training syllabus when I was training training officers. And, and, <laughs> you know, you know, and and he was almost in the same location. I'm going that mofo. You know, yeah. how did he do that? He's yeah, and he's, I told him that, and he laughed, and he thought I just made it up. I go, uh huh, uh, bullshit. Yeah, no, the guy that my friend that uh that recommended the books to me is like these are it's like thinly veiled fiction, and I was like, all right, and now I started reading it, and I, I started reading it, and I was like, should I be allowed to read this? Yeah, like some of the stuff he said was so in depth, and yeah. I'd you know I'd send it to Dale, and Dale'd be like, lol, and I'd be like, now I'm trying to think, I'm like, am I about to get like no knocked? reading no. like is this no. is bennett trying to fuck me um <laughs> if, uh, well he hasn't fucked me yet he's coming on again no. in a couple of days but oh, um excellent. give yeah. him my regards yeah he, he i his work his works are great they're tiny they're, they're like two hour reads but a lot of the stuff he says it to me is you know and i have no idea if it's true but a lot of it to me that is how i imagine like modern covert action would take place is it's we would like to think so a ton of moving pieces oh yeah you know high risk high reward and then you're like well yeah that's if you were to have that option that's what it would be but i'll let you read i'll I'll, I'll have you read another book it's 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 a it's it's an older book it's been out maybe gosh 10 12 years it's it's called beyond repair Okay. It's written by Charles Sam Faddis, F-A-D-D-I-S. And uh, Sam was a former chief of station that I worked for in the Middle East. And um, he also led um, the initial team into Kurdistan back before the invasion of Iraq in, what, 2003. Um, and uh, and he also wrote a book about that as well and a couple other books. But But Beyond Repair is his first one that he wrote. And basically, he calls out the agency for being so calcified that um that our our post 9-11 reaction was an aberration not the normal method of doing business um you know so 
I, I won't give away. I won't do any too many spoilers, but it it's it's a good book. It's an indictment of of the intelligence bureaucracy that is the agency. But you can you from that you can seriously extrapolate it and take it to the other fifteen, sixteen intelligence agencies in the in the intelligence community, and just, uh, go I, yeah. I just made. We're not note. getting the American people are not getting their money's worth. Yeah, I just made a note of it. Um, okay, sorry. I'm gonna. I'm giving you all sorts of homework. Oh, dude, you're good. I've, I've, I think I've got five books I have to read this week. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of, I'll just glance at my, I'll glance at my calendar and it will start to dawn on. Because that's, I never planned this <laughs> podcast more than ten days out. It's just the entire thing is just a running shit show. I'm juggling on a unicycle on fire on a tight wire, and people are like, "It's so oh, well," and they're so well planned. I'm like, "No, it's a smartest guy I knew in college." straight a student do doctor now just like you know balance perfect work life like in a band like super hot girlfriend like just you know respectable dude you know he outscored me on everything even the mcat i fucking hated it i studied for the mcat for nine <laughs> months he studied for three weeks and he still beat me it's <laughs> but uh i used to study on like friday saturday sundays just non-stop and like he would wait until like sunday morning and i'd be like why do you do that and he'd be like, because there is, he was like, fuck Adderall. He was like, there is nothing that will make you focus more. Like the, the cold pressure. chill of fear down your spine. Where you wake up on a Sunday morning and go, I've, that test is tomorrow. Yeah. He goes, he goes, you'll be studying. You don't have to tell yourself, pay attention. You're you're not wandering off in a la-la land. You're sitting there in a blind fear. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, when people are like, how come you don't do this more? I'm like, there is... There is a focus that you can do. You put a you have an author on for an audiobook a month out. It'll take you a month to listen to an audiobook. Right, because you put it off to the last minute. You schedule three authors in a week. Miraculously, you'll find time to go through thirty <laughs> hours of audiobooks in three days and get in a workout every day. It's so I let blind fear drive me. Um That's a good, yeah. what was the point of me saying all that? I have um, no idea because okay. we're we're unicycling on a tightrope with the bouncing shit. The, the fucking shit like everywhere. That's what it is. But that's what this thing is. Is it's uh, and every once in a while, like like right now, we're kind of like breaking the fourth wall where it's like you start to realize that you're bouncing on the tightrope. I always try to like not think about it. And people are like, "What, what are you doing for today's podcast?" I'm like, "I'm fucking not, dude. Just make it up as I go." Just, and then like yeah. midway through a podcast, every once in a while, I'm like, "I really am just making this up right now." Yeah. No oh, shit. It's good. I mean, but because you're having a great conversation and it's just like normal conversation, it's, it just happens to be that you're recording it, you're going to broadcast it and, you know, get all the royalties from it. And that's, that's cool too. Yeah. yeah, Royalties. (laughs) Yeah. Royalties. I think I've made $400 off rumble in the last two and a half years and almost a thousand episodes. Yeah. Wow. Really pulling in a solid 30 cents an episode. Fuck yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. Yeah, hey, yeah, Rumble. Yeah, go fuck yourself. I mean, I'll always take their side because they're not doing the whole censorship thing, but I mean, right. I mean, there's, I mean, I, I have no loyalty no. to someone that gives me 30 cents an episode. I mean, I'm owed nothing, but at the same time, go fuck yourself. I will sell out to anyone giving me a couple bucks <laughs> an episode. That's, I will, I'll start, I'll start mouthing Iranian state propaganda and want to bring no, you, you over there. No, no I won't, won't because Ron and or Dale and or Joe and or Prado. Will, oh yeah. We'll will murder we'll, me. <laughs> well, we'll just, we'll just kick your ass and let you heal up and then kick it again and 
just repeat, rinse and repeat. I don't think Dale would even waste time kicking me. I think he'd shoot me in the face. Nah, it's more fun to watch you suffer. Probably. Probably. The last thing I'd see is Dale's handlebar mustache. I've always suspected that's how I'm going to go. I've always suspected. (laughs) For better or worse, even if it's an accident, you know, Dale's showing me how to assemble an IED or something. I've always just imagined that's how I end up. Um, But uh, to jump wildly kind of back into the conversation, um, there is a book I just downloaded, and I don't even know if the author's alive, but I just want to read it, and it's like the evolution of like uh, evolution of weaponry, really from you know like bronze and steel through the mm-hmm. present day, and like the economic factors of arms races. I and I I can't I can't wait for it. So that's going to be a cool one. But um, um, even in like the the little bit I do know, very um, Americo centric uh, warfare history. Is you even see in World War One, like like the actual horse drawn cavalry, mm-hmm. and then you see like the biplanes, and there wasn't even like a uh, I've had on um uh, Colonel uh, Tyler Morton before who wrote a great book on uh, uh, on ISR uh, from from kites to from kites to the U two I think, um, and it's about from like the Civil War through. Mm-hmm like the nineties or whatever has been declassified about ISR intelligence, surveillance, reconnaissance. And like in world war one, there wasn't even like a uniform way. Cause the, the technology of flight was so new. Right. That sometimes it was like, they would like go by and like hand signal, like this is what we saw. Other times they try shit, like actually using a camera and then like mm-hmm. throwing the film overboard and like hoping it didn't land in the mud or something. And it's <laughs> just all of this like horse shit. And it wasn't until after world war one that they actually, not the defense logistics agency that was way later, but there's something called, I think the NDIA, the national defense industry association, which is kind of funny. Cause if you look at it, you're like, Oh, that's just the military industrial complex. But the entire thing was, is post-world war one, we realized that we did have a problem with sort of mechanizing and modernizing our forces like not everyone's boots were the same or not everyone whatever right. it was very I mean, we had to use french tanks and, and british tanks and, and british aircraft and yeah and uh you know uh french artillery pieces and things yeah. like that so yeah i mean but what you're talking about yeah we may have formed it but nobody really paid it any mind or heed until you know basically 39 40 yeah when like oh shit oh fuck. <laughs> we, we better rearm <laughs> yeah yeah you know? it's uh my, my little brother got got married this past july up in a on this island outside of maine and uh and uh we were out there and they had all these yeah these old like plugged up artillery pieces but they were talking about like these were here from like the civil war mm-hmm. and they actually came and got some of them like midway through world war one. They're like, y- y'all using these? And I was like, no, it's just off the coast of Maine. They're like, cool. We, we need these in France like now. And right. then like, so like you do kind of see that cobbled to- again, the, the, the Monday morning, you know, we have a military industrial uh, complex. Yeah, we do. But then there's also, it's, we, it's also been a century since we fumbled. I mean, Curtis LeMay talks about early on in the war. He says, I will never forget the fear of like doing the quick math and realizing at the rates we are losing planes uh, over Germany or Nazi occupied Europe, right. the rate at which we were getting them, we had we had a 30 day supply. We are losing 10 for like every one we had. We had it's not just the aircraft. It's also the air crews, well, which, are even, which are even more, more, special. more valuable. Yeah. yeah. 
Which and, the Japanese figured out when they lost all their best carrier aviators yeah. during Midway and then subsequent battles. And they never quite could do it after that. But they did have guys that maybe not talented. They did have dedication. The Comic Con. They, they had they had a lure. They did. They had. Yeah. Hey, hey. hey. <laughs> maybe I need to get sponsored by some fucking like hooked on phonics program. Maybe that's Stop the it. only thing I'll get on. This yeah. Well, I, we're, we're, we can talk about divine wind, but yeah, they were they were dedicated, but you know they just you know they were able to uh, use a lot of mass to yeah. uh, especially during Okinawa. Yeah. Which you know, and that brings up a good point. You know, I mean, our first interview, we, we you know we talked a little bit about you know nuclear war and and planning of that and stuff like, that. but. So, you know, and then I remember when I was liaising at the Pentagon for the director, you know, to the chairman about Pakistan, Afghanistan, my, my last tour that, um, you know, it was the anniversary of Hiroshima or Nagasaki and, you know, here's all the, the anti-nuke protesters and, you know, holding up the signs of the, you know, the dead of Hiroshima or Nagasaki and, you know, it's, a, it, you know, all the usual suspects, you know, the code pink kind of people and yada, yada, whatever. So, and I go, wow, you know, so you start studying it. And if you, and if you study the history of the, the invasion of Okinawa and, you know, the, especially the effect on the, the U.S. Navy, the kamikazes, the way they were taking out destroyer pickets and, and, you know, other major naval vessels and supply ships and things like that. And that's the one thing. They didn't take out many supply ships because, you know, the Japanese are like, no, I, I can only take out, you know, yeah. warships. And which is why the Japanese submarine campaign you know, was so miserable. They never went against, you know, convoys of freighters and tankers and things like that. But um, we did. But anyways, and then, of course, then the, the kamikaze or the bonsai charges that really, you know, on the on the uh, the line, the, um, the southern line, you know, we saw that in uh, what, what was the uh, what was the movie with the, uh, the Flags of Army. Our Fathers, no, Letters from Iwo Jima. Well, no, well, those two, but then the one with uh, uh, the uh, the medic who won the Medal of Honor. Um, uh, yeah, I can't remember right now, but uh, you know what I'm talking. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, uh, but you know that was really a, a like a sobering wake up call. So, you know, here we're we're getting ready to do uh, Operation Downfall, the invasion of the Japanese home islands, both Olympic and Coronet, and they were pro- projecting. A million plus casualties. Yeah, that's that's killed and wounded, you know, and because the Japanese were going to fight to the last Japanese. Yeah, and uh, that's why the president, you know, President Truman said, "No, we'll 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 drop an we'll drop an atomic bomb on." Yeah, I, I'd rather do that. I'd rather, you know, this is going to sound heartless. And I'm sorry, folks, but I'd rather kill a few to save a whole lot. And it probably saved more Japanese. Oh, it did. Oh, it, it saved not it just saved, American. It saved the Japanese race and and the Japanese nation. Um, and here's another little bit of trivia: Purple Hearts, the Purple Heart Medal, you know, that the military gives out for wounded in action, wounded under enemy fire, that sort of thing. You know, we've been giving them out. You know, Korea, Vietnam, Desert Storm, etc., etc., etc. We're still we haven't exhausted the supply that they minted for the invasion of Japan. Good lord. So I'm just, just saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, my dad's dad was 18 and was being staged in the Philippines and was going to be frontline cannon fodder. Yeah. So I, I rationally can't argue against it because I wouldn't be here to make another argument. My little brother had to write a paper on a, 
on why we uh it was like you had to choose some devil's advocate argument in college (laughs) and it was like why we shouldn't have nuked japan or whatever and uh uh he had a brilliant line and he goes well if we didn't nuke him i wouldn't have to write this paper because we would he and i wouldn't be here (laughs) (laughs) that was a great line my uh, my dna strain would be would i wouldn't be writing this stupid fucking paper (laughs) yeah and uh, (laughs) and even if i was it'd be in japanese not english douchebag but uh <laughs> yeah, no, that I mean, you look at Okinawa, Iwo Jima, and I can never pronounce it. Pelalu, Pelalu, Pelalu. Um, I had on a guy a couple months ago, a Marine whose whose grandfather was there. I mean, like you have these things, and you look at them. You look at like just the war in the Pacific. I mean, World War Two is hell. Mm-hmm. I would have much rather even just be in Europe than the Pacific. I mean, everything about it just is beyond comprehension. Mm-hmm. It's total war, and it's not. We always have this problem of hindsight, where we go, "Well, the war started on this day." I mean, from the very fact that we call it World War One and not the Great War, it's like you can only do that in hindsight. No one called it World War One at the beginning. No, it was, it was the, the Great, great war. war. No one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's. And it was the Great War until World War Two happened. Exactly. And, and, exactly. Yeah. And so no one fucking. So like the, this very idea that we look back at things like domino theory or occupation or nation building or, or whatever. You don't have that. I mean, it was total. It was total war. We were producing what, like a P fifty one Mustang, like every sixty two minutes or something well, insane. Once we got spun up, and once yeah, we I got mean, spun up, once the war machine same got with, going. same with the Liberty ships and things but, like that. Yeah, you know, all all that stuff. I mean, we were literally the arsenal of democracy. Now we are not any of that. Yeah, because um, so much of our industrial base is not here anymore. Yeah, and when you do look at that and, and, and the nuking of Japan, I mean, we can sit here f- forever and talk about one Truman talks about in his, uh in his journal, I think is when Leslie Groves, who's heading up the Manhattan project, general Leslie Groves mm-hmm. he said, if you don't use this bomb, like, okay, like you are a commander in chief, but he was like, I recommend, a, you know, just a professional recommendation that you start composing your impeachment, uh, rebuttal now for when the american people <laughs> found out that you could have used it and right. oh, that's yeah. that's stuck with truman and and the idea of well why don't we just drop one the same people that say we should have dropped one in the ocean off the coast are the same people that say why'd you have to shoot him to death why didn't you shoot him in the foot right the, the demonstration explosion yeah that's yeah why didn't the I, cop I, shoot him in the leg and it's like you don't you ever see like a, a, a cop's body cam this shit happens in seconds and it's right. over and I'm in fear for my life, and I'm going to put down the threat. And in that moment, it's who's going home. Yeah, that you. And it's always, you don't have it's to... always going. To, it's always going to be me. Yeah, it's and both guys are perp. thinking that, and both guys are in the perps thinking it's me. And both guys no. are. You can call it whatever, and I'm not defending it, but you call it whatever you no. want. I mean, biological uh, uh, flight or fight. Right. No one's oh, thinking. Yeah. Well, why is the other guy thinking? I mean, I wonder what the rules are in this county. No, it's <laughs> fire until they're not moving anymore, and then fire some more. So. There's one line from a book about, um, I think it's uh, uh, in Iwo Jima, and they're talking about you know guys on their station there, and it's I guess after we've you know uh, raised the flag, and they're moving on towards mainland Japan, and when they hear about the uh, when they hear about the the first like detonation above Hiroshima, mm-hmm. and there's always one line that sticks with me. And there's like a veteran talking about it, you know, decades later in the 80s. 
And he goes, I hadn't even realized that it's kind of like when you're like washing machines running or something and you don't even realize it until it turns off, you know, and the, but you know why there's just like a back, a background humming or something, right. it's but, just you, white noise. You, but you don't realize it's there until it's, or the air conditioner goes, boom. and you're like, Oh fuck. I didn't even, right. He goes, I didn't even realize it. But for the first time he was like that night laying in bed, I actually, he's like, it was an odd sensation, but I actually started making long-term plans. Mm-hmm. And that one's always stuck. It's not the we're you know the romantic we're going home we're going whatever all those tropes. It was just this guy going. I hadn't even realized it, but I had never once thought more than the next twenty four hours of where mm-hmm. am I? You know, food, water. Like fuck, I hope I'm not. I don't have to go there and clear that cave. To all of a sudden, it was like maybe we will move to to New York. Maybe me and the wife will settle down. And all of a sudden, he was like, what are these alien thoughts of like mm-hmm. what color car do I want? And again, it's kind of back to what we talked about earlier, where it's me bitching about my sink. And then I come back here and I'm like, those people hugged me because I brought them Walmart brand sheets. Mm-hmm. OK, my life's pretty cool. Yeah, that's one thing I always think is just the sensation of long term planning. Mm-hmm. That's a sobering thought to me. Um, yeah. And a lot of Americans take it for granted. Yeah, they they have no concept of that this could all be taken away from him yeah. in a, in a heartbeat. Yeah. Um, Terrible we, thought. How do we get on all this, this thread? I have World no war one, something with you're, my horse. You're just, you're just a depressing interviewer. I'm telling Me? you, you're, just, you're Debbie downer, man. I'm sorry. I mean, we could do those more positive topics like our last episodes, like nuclear no. talking and continuity of government. If we want to be really cheery, you know, no. the only, the only no, thing more bland think than that the, we're advocating for Joe Biden Armageddon thing. That, the only thing, thing fucking blander than the color of my skin is the interior walls of Raven Rock. I mean, we really want to go full colorless. Just oh god, yeah. We can we, done that. We can. Yeah. I know. We we can. You want to get depressing? We can. We can. No, we can tone it, it has, down. It has. It has that. We can turn the dial. Green, that pea green sixties paint job. Oh god, terrible. We can turn the dial. You want to? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> You'll no, be no, you'll no. be begging for the days of talking about Iwo Jima, but um, <laughs> yeah, me and Ron we're sharing a we're sharing a cot in Raven Rock for the next six decades, taking our our radium medication and MRE. Uh. Um, but so to, but to look at like um, the change of weaponry and then the the NDIA, the National Defense Industry Association, and then really kind of not kicking in until like you said thirty nine, but we're constantly seeing these shifts in technology right uh lemay was obviously a, a you know a, a bomber head and he didn't like the idea of missiles and then finally like the ration the rational part of his brain kicked in and was like mm-hmm. these are faster they don't require men we can fire them you know they, right. there's no recall they are better no it's not the glorious chrome bombers but move on right we're right. also not doing the cavalry charges of the civil it, it's move on. If do you want to win the war or do you want to jerk yourself off to the weapons you like the most, right? <laughs> We're not wearing the, the World War One, you know, the, the plumes like uh, Archduke Franz Ferdinand was wearing or the bright blue uniforms. No, you want bland gray shit to blend in, right? Fuck off with the whole with the with the makeup around it. You see that moving forward and then you see the 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 leaving of the uh the u.s air force from the army air forces because mm-hmm. right? it was still so new that it's just like yeah well just fuck it, it's the army air forces we'll just you guys got planes now and then after a while it was like oh these are the dominant force in war we need an entire air force 
And I know that there's a lot of people out there that have uh, they're still in orange man bad syndrome. But when people are like, why did he create the Space Force? You know, it when whatever like retarded name Neil deGrasse Tyson, who's no con- friend of conservatives, even made this point on CNN and was like, well, actually, no, this is following the same theme of the Air Force breaks away from the Army. And now the Air Force for all of the Cold War has been in charge of, you know, space command. And you mm-hmm. know, and then we have the NRO and the NGA and we have all this shit. Eventually, it's like we do kind of need to look at it as another. But it's the natural progression. But people's mm-hmm. hatred for Trump is so blind. They can't even remove. Jesus Christ. I got it. Yeah, don't go there. You'll yeah. you'll, you'll throw yourself into a stroke. Yeah. People just <laughs> buddy's orange. And it's like, fuck, Jesus. It's like 1947, the Army Air Force is shut up, Nazi. And you're like, I don't even, what does that even mean? Um, But as you see this evolution, and then you look at things like 2011, like like Stuxnet, I do wonder, in the future, will the tip of the spear, or the tip of the spear being 100 feet behind me, (laughs) will it morph from, because what what you would want, right? Because let's go back to what we said, you know smaller footprint more flexible you're able to do these things despite having bureaucracy it's nowhere near the bureaucracy of like the you know traditional branches you can move Mm -hmm. more quickly you're it's like a private company you can just fuck this you're fired do this we're doing this now you don't need to do that's what's so great about this podcast just total dictatorship i i i consult (laughs) with no one about a podcast talking to ron today about what whatever i want there's no focus team there's nothing. Are you really sure you should start with start it with talking about sniffing kids? I don't know. We'll focus group it live. Like whatever. <laughs> you know? And it's and then fuck it. We'll do it live. But you start wondering along that same extrapolation of you know the army or the air forces leaving the army and then Space Force sort of growing out of the Air Force. It's following that trend of being more fine honed to that specific battlefield. Mm-hmm. You almost think that eventually, even having a paramilitary team whatsoever, and this is this is sacrilege to Dale, who always says it comes down to the man with the gun. Pretty much. But I wonder at what point will the very tip of the spear simply be cyber, simply be electrons, ones and zeros, the smallest footprint, the quickest to deploy, I mean, literal light speed. Well, I wonder if that is what the tip of the spear is. Well, it could be, it could be one one arrow in your quiver, but I would, I would postulate that to hold an Occupy ground, you know, I, I can't send a bunch of electrons and buzzing around in somebody's laptop. Sure. I need to go face to face with somebody who's allied to me and, and whose, whose cause is reasonably well aligned, or I can try to align it more with what my government wants. And we can, we can make things happen. Um, I can use the cyber to weaken the enemy so they can't deploy their forces. You know, they can, mm. you know, gives my guys a, a better fighting chance. Um, I mean, you know, it's all part of it. The um, the thing I only worry about, about the whole space force and the whole cyber thing is, is, um, is that we get the, the DOD at large and the U S government probably even also, but the DOD tends to stovepipe themselves and it's real hard, you know, to, uh, cross talk. Um, I mean, that's why joint duty is a requirement now for senior promotion. So people, you know, Hey, I got a buddy in the Navy or I got a buddy in the army or in the air force or whatever. And, and, uh, it helps. So, uh, but I just worry that, you know, 
people start, you know, well, that's, that's space force stuff. And either they don't, they don't know about it because space force doesn't have a, uh, a good liaison relationship with people. Sorry. People are driving up past my house puppy. Yeah, and, uh, my alarm system going off. Okay. Oh, and, uh, well, it keeps keeps me safe, and uh, keeps the feds away. So uh, you know, it's it's just hard. And and I mean, that's one of the things we discovered in the agency, and that was where I really, uh, I think, did what I thought maybe was my calling. Was um, I did a lot, you know, in the as I got older, you know, and I couldn't hump as many mountains and stuff like that. I uh, I started liaising with you know being the agency liaison plant uh, with the the unit whether it was the 10th mountain guys the 82nd the 101st 3rd special forces group 7th group um that's in afghanistan and then you know the other groups and, and units in in iraq you know and i always joked and you know, people go how, how can you do that i said well i can i can speak 3-3 military you know it's a language that doesn't you know 3-3 means you're very fluent both reading and writing and speaking and that sort of thing so uh, you know and then i was able to translate what the agency wanted to do to the military guys and try to keep everybody, you know, cooperating, but not keep the, the lanes in the road clear for everybody. So we didn't like, uh, Hey, why'd you guys just destroy that village there? Army. Uh, we, we were, we were recruiting the people in there to be on our side or yeah. I, that's a bad example, but I mean, you want to like, you can cross coordinate and, and make sure things are copacetic and, and wasn't always successful. And there was a lot of challenges because there's a lot of, you know, captain so-and-so and his company by god i'm gonna go you know save the day and like no you don't do that we we've got an operation going on and you have to uh, you know so a lot of diplomacy and sometimes you had to you know like pick up the phone and call in the heavy guns and say yeah no you're you're ordered to stand down and piss them off and that sort of thing but but it's it it's you know that's i think that's where you know we we're able we the you know, the paramilitary and the DOD guys were able to punch above our weight, our, our individual weight. The sum is greater than the, than the parts mm-hmm. type of thing. So we're, because we're, we leverage each other's strengths and, and minimize or cover up our weaknesses that, you know, our, our big weakness is always logistics, but the DOD does, they have the huge logistics tail. So we, you know, we, we trade and we barter and we, uh, like, oh, look, General, look over there, bright, shiny object, as I steal half his fuel. So, you know, <laughs> I didn't say that. You didn't say that. I said it. Remember, I... Well, I, actually, I, serious. So, early days, you know, this is January in Kabul, um, and I'm running the, the Kabul airport, the airfield, for the agency stuff, the agency aviation. And uh, there's a small ISAF. ISAF was real brand new, and there was a, a small RAF contingent and some Germans and the Turks and the Turks were the ones that were responsible for refueling all the uh, NATO military aircraft and, and a lot of the contracted aircraft, which was a lot of old Russian airplanes <laughs> flown by Russians, which was funny watching them as they got out to stretch their legs, take a pee. They, the old guys would take the young guys around and they'd start pointing to the mountains and this and that. And they'd be talking with their hands. And I can say they're talking about there I was in the Soviet air force yeah. doing this or that type of yeah. thing. But so I, one day I, 
I call up the uh, the Turkish refueling dudes and I say, hey, I, I need I need my my fuel bladders filled, stuff. Like that. And they go, well, yeah, we'll we'll be there. And when they finally got there, you know, the sergeant started talking to me and he's like, ah, oh, you know, yeah, you know, we we're we're really not supposed to do this, you know. I said, even though we were paying for it under a State Department account and everything like that, I said, oh, come on, man, what do you, you know, what what can I do to make this better for for you? I mean, you know, what what do you need? He says. Well, and this is funny now is because the Russians are asking the Turks for winter gear, but he says, we don't have any winter gear, you know, warm clothes and warm, warm jackets, hats, and uh, boots. Well, we had just gotten this huge shipment of stuff that we were going to give to some of the indige forces of exactly that. And it's sitting there under a canopy cover, you know, between some mud wall revetments. I'm like, all right, well, you know, when you're done filling up the bladder, bring all your guys over here and we'll walk through the shoe aisle and you guys can get two pairs of boots. You can guys get a jacket. You guys can get a hat. And, you know, that way you make sure it fits. And of course he said, well, I need a couple extra boots for, for the, for the Lieutenant or the captain or whatever. I said, yeah, yeah, fine. Whatever. I don't care. You know, it's, I mean, I'm looking at this, like this, I, we have, you know, like there's like a huge 2,500 square foot footprint of, crap gear yeah it's just gear and it's not really good gear i mean but because we're giving it to the indige yeah i mean it's not gore-tex or anything high speed and i says yeah because i'm able to get the fuel now at a responsive you know at a moment's notice i'm able to do my mission so i get back i get you know do all that and uh i get back and there's a couple of senior senior agency people visiting the station and uh they're talking and uh and suddenly the, the the logistics guy comes in and he's one of those september 10th people in the september 12th world and he throws a shit fit and he comes right up to me and says you know your 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 guards are probably ripping off the my, my supplies i says no they're not I, I i i gave some stuff away to the turkish refuelers you th- you thought i'd committed homicide I mean, he was going to write me up by the agency equivalent of an Article 15 general courts martial, you know, put me up against the wall and shoot me or whatever. But we're doing this conversation. Well, I'm doing a lot of like, dude, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. You know, I, I have a mission to accomplish. And, you know, you had lots of extra. I'm like, I'm really the Afghans are probably going to sell half that shit in the in in Peshawar in Pakistan anyway. So I don't give a shit, you know. Yeah in front of these senior agency guys and they go, well, Ron, why'd you do that? And I explained why I did that. And my, my reasoning was, and he goes, yeah, it's perfect. You yeah. Know, you know, you know, guaranteed refuel for some shit fucking well, for, for, our, for our agency, you know, our agency aircraft. Otherwise, yeah. you know, we, we, we're last in line. Yeah. And we're, and we're always going to be last in line because the line never ends, you know, cause you're coming. Oh, sorry. The, the German transport came in. Oh, sorry. The Russian, you know, transport came in. Oh, sorry. You know, bah. so no, now I, and this guy like, yeah, but that's a, you know, that's misuse of government property. And I go, so send me the bill. You know, it's like, anyway, I guess whatever, nothing ever happened, obviously. I mean, actually I got a commendation for that, so, which really pissed him off even more, but yeah. So, it, but that's, you know, some, that's what I loved about being, 
you know, that the tip of the spear is somewhere behind us type of thing, because, you know, use your best judgment. Yeah. No, no. What, what's, what's your mission? What's your ends? What's your end point? What's your end state that you want to be? What's your goal? You know, what are your left and right limits? You know, use your, you know, keep your ethics and integrity intact. You know, don't send anybody out to get killed. You know, like, hey, I need you to go out there and walk through that landmine field and see if there's anything, you know, active. You know, go ahead. Nah, I'll write your wife if I could yeah. write and push to, you know. Yeah. Um, but, or Turk or whatever. But no, but, you know, and we did that. And a lot of agency people are so wedded to the book. Yeah. Or the the box of thinking. And that's that's what I absolutely loved about working in, in SOG and, and SAD was, you know, we were out of the box, but it wasn't like crazy, stupid stuff. We you know did it w- with thought and, and experience and, you know, what's our mission? What do we need to do? What are, you know, risk versus gain, that sort of thing. And, and we did some good stuff. Anyways, uh, enough war stories. No, no, no. I like that. I, I have a comment on that. But uh, Ron, you're gonna hold it down because I gotta go pay, and then uh, and then I'll come. Oh, we'll, do, we'll do like, we'll do like oh, don't start with me. And then we'll do like we'll do like twenty minutes. But I, I do have a comment on that. So Ron, tell them where to find you. <laughs> well, I'm only on Twitter. You can find me at uh, all caps O G A underscore capital R O N. And um, yeah, so I don't post that very much, very often. But when I do, it's usually something biting and sarcastic, uh, political commentary, uh, military commentary. I don't usually talk about intelligence stuff on Twitter because then I get a bunch of dumbass reporters reaching out to me, wanting to interview me, and that's not happening. So no, I haven't written a book. No, I probably won't write a book because that might involve work and I might I might pull a, a hamstring or, or break a nail or something like that. So not going to do that. And are you about done peeing? Jesus, this is like, I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> he does this to me every time because he has no bladder control. And, but the uh, I also want to encourage you to uh, follow uh, uh, Colonel Mike Bell- Benning or Bennett, excuse me, Colonel Mike Bennett, uh, two N's, two T's. Uh, Colonel is capital C-O-L, and then Mike and Bennett, all one word. Um, he's the author we spoke about earlier. He's uh, He's got some very good stuff. Also, I encourage you to follow um, Orange Partisan, uh, Lafayette Lee. He, uh, he's got some interesting takes on, uh, on a lot of things. And finally, uh, the Virginia Gentleman is uh, is a good one to follow as well and um uh all right y'all better now i'm all better now okay your Uh, teeth aren't floating out of your mouth what's that mean is that a thing it's it's an old it's an old phrase when you when you get when you when you're when your bladder's so full your teeth are floating oh no 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 man we really got to get you out of your house you know ron i am a biology major and uh, i'm not going to let you bring that medical misinformation on this but not this podcast not this podcast, <laughs> medical Careful. misinformation. I'm going to get my COVID flu and, and VD shot all in one. All in one. Get your booster today. Help fight terrorism. What the fuck? Not there me. could be a nuclear Armageddon. Get boosted while you can. That's what? right. <laughs> what? It's, yeah. I mean. Anyways. 
so I, I try to entertain the, the folks. I, oh, I you did I fantastic. The, no, the very fact that you didn't choke up. Some people just deer in headlights. Oh well, I don't know. Yeah, so no, if you make noise, you're in the top one percent. <laughs> just start burping. It doesn't matter. Um, but uh, stuff. yeah, whatever you want, man. Oh, there I'm... is something. There is something kind of ironic. Not ironic. Kind of ironic, but it's almost like the uh, right domino theory uh you know uh, westphalian society versus communism there is almost something kind of funny about what you're able to do at the when the tip of the spear is behind you in a sense it almost is like an endorsement of capitalism it's like there is not this like centralized you gotta follow by the book it is well, it's, it's like it's rugged individualism and teamwork and an incentive it's use your best judgment and and because of that, you can put the resources to the best possible and most efficient use. Mm -hmm. It is almost like the ultimate endorsement of capitalism. But you do see that in because like that is something that I think I, you know, if, you know, pre-med me, that would have been me. What are you doing? You're using this. We have, you know, it's supposed to be exactly 10 pairs to this person because I was very rigid <laughs> in my thinking. And it's because I didn't. It's kind of like this doing like bench press or like chest workouts some everyone's from while if you go to a gym you can find like a bench where um the actual bar is like is like connected via like a wheel system mm -hmm. and because of that it is just purely up and down and you never realize how many muscles you're using to balance something until you're using a free bench right mm -hmm. where you use a curl machine versus like doing standing curls you realize like Oh, you know, you got to balance your legs and your back and you're doing a whole bunch of little muscles just to actually mm -hmm. use that one thing that I'm sure there's benefits to it. I don't know. I don't give a fuck. That's not the point. That's why your core is probably so good, right? Yeah. All the ladies it's, say it's, that. It's, I'm it's sure. why it's so wonderful. Yes. But like, <laughs> and Biden, Biden always texts me and says, how's that core? And I say, stop oh, yeah. it, Joe. Sniff but um, I say, stop it, Joe. Sniff me. Sniff me, daddy. But, uh. <laughs> You're, Ron's just thinking right now. He's like, I used to negotiate with fuel lines for the agency. How far I have fallen sitting with oh, this I'm, kid. I'm, I'm, I'm in the abyss. I, I don't care. I'm, I'm, sw you've I'm stared, swimming in you, the You've stared so deep into it. The abyss is scared of you. The abyss is like, don't, no. don't look at Ron's eyes long enough or <laughs> Ron will gaze back. Um, but when you're doing like bench on like a machine like that, it's great because you can put all of your energy into just the up and down motion. Mm -hmm. And that's great for, you know, if that's all you're trying to do, but you're losing any sort of sort of extra workout of balancing. And so, you know, being pre-med was a lot like using a machine. It was the system was already built. You're not pioneering the act of getting into medical school. It's decades old. There's tens of thousands before you. The courses are laid out in front of you. You don't have to make the courses. They all, they are perfectly set to last six months. It's all out for you. You just it's have regimented. to, yeah, you just have to complete it. Now, granted, it's you and 300 other people and only the top 10 are going to get in. <laughs> but even that is, that's easy. You just have to dial it up. You just have to go blind work ethic and just be crazier than anybody else and just study around the clock. The difficulty comes in when you have to create something on your own. And that's kind of like, I think is what of, is one of the allures of this podcast 
is that's not why I do it, but it is. It, there definitely is an aspect of that where it's like, there is no, you just have to pass. You just have to pass podcast one hundred and one and get at least a B plus. And it's like, no, there is none of that. None of it fucking matters. No one, no, no one cares if I crop the image correctly. It doesn't mean shit. You can do great episodes and then just no. One, there's no class about. And now, what happens if a, a pandemic arises and there's marriage between corporation and state and they start censoring you? That's not in the fucking guidebook. You just you're halfway through a podcast. You're like, well, I wasn't planning on having to fight Pfizer and Google, but here we are. Like. So like, but there is this sort of cool thing where it's like, how do you, how how do you adapt? Like one of my favorite quotes ever is no one cares, work harder. I just think it's the the most clean cut motivate. No one gives a shit. No one apply it to anything you say. No one cares, work harder. Right. Off. Just do your best, work harder. Yeah. Just, 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 just fuck off. Just no one cares. And I like that in that you have to adapt. All right, well, I can't be on YouTube. Well, you can't have your cake and eat it too. So I want to be able to say whatever I want, but YouTube's a private company and they ban you. All right, that means you have to just go to a bunch of alternative websites. All right, that sucks. Fuck off. No one cares. Work harder. Mm -hmm. And you can look at it so many ways of like a traditional mindset of like, kind of like that guy being like, why are you giving this stuff away? You know, you should be sent to Gitmo for giving boots to whoever. But I look at it more as like, Sure, if this was a public, if my podcast was a publicly held company, my fiduciary responsibilities would say, stay on YouTube, don't interview Dr. Malone, earn the mm-hmm. most, and also be like, stop interviewing agency guys. It'd be like, you should be covering TikToks and the Kardashians' asses. Like, Ooh. because that would be right. But I mean, if you want the most brain dead dribble, people, hey, I like that too. Well, then that's what you would do. <laughs> but there is something <laughs> beneficial about it being a solo endeavor. Right. Like like SOG or SAD and that it's like you have this, you have a lot of you're off the leash. Do whatever you want. And well, it's you can either Yes, I mean, but you you do have to, you know, report back and, and what you did and, and how you accomplished it. And you know, there is a there is a an op plan or a, a con op or a, you know, there is guidance from on mm-hmm. high. I mean, you know, the chief of station says, I need you to go out and pass the wire and I need you to do X, Y, and Z and you go out and you do X, Y, and Z. He doesn't really tell you how to do it, but you know you've you've had training and you know good judgment and and you, you know, bring everybody back and and you he goes oh, okay tell me about it and you you know I did X and we had to put Z in front of Y because of the the conditions on the ground and this happened that happened and you know but I accomplished everything you know and sometimes you get you get grumped at and you 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 know you brace up and you're like yep all right I effed up on uh, you know or whatever and or sometimes you like. I saw an opportunity boss. Not only did we get X, Y, and Z done, but we were able to get A, B, and C done because, mm. you know, we, you know, there, those were things that needed, you know, I mean, we, so we were able to accelerate some stuff and, you know, sometimes that's appreciated. Sometimes like, we're not ready for that. Yeah. Oops. Sorry. Right. Yeah. Fuck me. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll tell them that I'm just a doofus and you know, that I'm a, I'm a, you know, I'm an ignoramus, but yeah. you know, I, you can never, you can never get punished at least I never got punished for, for doing, doing the right thing. And um, so in, in Iraq, on one of my tours in Iraq, running a special program that was in direct support of a, a, a specialized presidential finding. I had a couple lawyers come out from the agency. I hate lawyers. I love lawyers, but I hate lawyers. And I'm all like, 
oh shit, you know, because these guys are, you know, they show up and they're literally dressed in safari suits type of thing. You know, the old bush jacket, yeah. and the, you know, like something right out of, you know, the, you know, like a, an old Victor Mature movie or something like that, you know, King Solomon's Mines, you know, and I'm like, okay, I've seen these guys in the building, you know, when I was there, you know, but guys kind of look a little goofy, but whatever, you know, so I give them, hey, this is what we're doing. This is how we're operating. And, and I believe that I'm within the confines and the, uh, the spirit of, of the presidential finding. And, you know, so, you know, am I mean, I, you know, oh, that's the other thing. You never effing lie. I mean, you never tell a lie to within your f- food chain. I mean, I'll, I'll lie to a, an Iraqi or an Afghani all day long. I don't care. But my food chain, if my boss can't trust me, the whole thing's fucked. Well, then I can't. He'll never let me go out of the wire. He'll never let me <clears throat> go to the airfield and, and run, you know, you know, agency air operations and make make deals with the, the Turkish refuelers and things like that. But I, I brief these guys and they, they looked and they go, oh, yeah, you're this is great. This is even, you know, this is, so I said, can you put that in writing, please? So, I, you know, just just well, because there was a couple of people there in, in Baghdad that were not read into the program. And I couldn't really tell them. And I asked them to do it. And they, they, the lawyers declined to bring those guys into the loop. And I went, well, okay, whatever. Um, but they didn't like the. They said, no, 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 you need to do this. I said, well, I'd love to do that. But I got a higher priority mission right here. I'll try to do that on the way back. You know, but I have to get to mission area X, do what I need to do. And on the way back, if we have a few minutes and we got some spare fuel and blah, 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 we'll take a peek. No, I'm going to you know, we're going to send you home. I'm, so literally they, they would call the chief of SOG up on the phone, <laughs> you know, wake his ass up in the middle of the middle of the night in DC and, and start complaining about me. He goes, Nope, Ron's doing exactly what he's been told to do by people higher than you. That did not make people happy, but so anyway, yeah, I mean, so then you have to like negotiate the, uh, the deployment bureaucracy of, you know, people like, yeah, you you can't eat in my chow hall anymore. You 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 know yeah. or that sort of thing. I'm like, you know, bite me. You know, yeah, like, whatever. Did. Yeah, but there's got to, but again, there's got to be a certain gratification to having that much, that much. I mean, well, it's it's gratification, but it, it's it's also it's a lot of responsibility. I mean, you know, you know, I, you know, I always joked, you know, or I always laughed when the Spider-Man movies, you know, with with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah, yeah. I, I was. I go. It's true, but you know, good lord. But you know, I never really thought about. It. I mean, I just like, I I just felt honored, and like I was literally. I mean, honest here is, I always felt like I was unworthy because, you know, those guys on the cover of First Casualty. I mean, they were the Titans. Yeah, and the 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 other people that came after them they were also the Titans and here I come. I'm, I'm literally the, the little Gunga Din character. Oh, you want some water, Saeed? <laughs> you know, you need, you need fuel for your airplane. You're uh, you know, I, yeah. Something like, you know, I mean, I, I really, I always felt, you know, like, like I was awestruck a lot. I yeah. mean, I'm not a, I'm not like, Ooh, I'm a, you know, like starry eyed fanboy, sure. but it was always, um, I think that, kept your ego in check too because some people would last barely one tour because they would you know like 
I am a, I am a man, I'm a giant among men and I'm striding through the, you know, and they would like, dude, you know, you're, you're going to get people hurt. Yeah. That's the guy that steps on a landmine. Well, yeah. So something like that. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know. Like shooting an RPG out of the back of a, uh, well, not an RPG, but a, uh, the grenade launcher under the M4. Sorry, I'm doing a brain fart on nomenclature, but yeah, because he has his finger on the trigger and he's trying to show off. And what do you have a fucking grenade in the in the launcher for, anyways, dude? You're, you're, you know, you know, so, yeah. Well, grenades armed by spinning. These grenades, you know, the they 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 armed by spinning. Luckily, it only had to travel a couple feet. And uh, I get back, and of course. Uh, this guy's all like trying to make excuses and I'm going, what the hell's going on? I, you know, I, cause I wasn't on the mission. I had to do something else. And, uh, I get my air crew is just like, they're in orbit and, uh, they go this motherfucker, da, 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 da. And, you know, it's, it's like two in the morning. I'm like, Oh Jesus. So we get out our little, our little flashlights, our little surefires. And there on the metal floor of the helicopter is this beautiful crater dimple you know, of a 40 millimeter grenade shell impacting. I says, wow. He says, yeah. And then it tumbled out and it's, you know, God knows where, and, you know, probably blew up in some, some farmer's field somewhere or mountaintop. I don't care. But, and, you know, so I go, wow, that was close. He says, yeah. You know, and, you know, so, yeah. So the guy comes, yeah, you know, you really just, just don't tell anybody, you know I mean? Just dude, I'm gonna. I have to tell people. You know, it's like <laughs> this. This is unsat. Yeah. And uh, and I went and told his boss, and his boss just like he was already up. This guy was on the cusp of getting fired or getting sent home, whatever. So I told him, and he's like, Arr! so I had to go tell the chief of station. Chief of station, literally, like, when's your next plane going to uh, Tashkent so I can put him on a plane back to the states? Yeah, I mean, tomorrow morning he says, "Good," and he looks at the guy's boss and says, "He's on. He's on the morning flight." But I mean, <laughs> so, kind of have to. I mean, that's such like a. Oh yeah, that's such like an elementary mistake, though. It is, but but he thought because he was part of the cool guy gang that he that was immune just... to no. to that. And no, I mean that's. I mean, you know, if people like Dale had been on the flight. The guy would not have been walking. Dale would have probably butt-stroked him in the next week, and I'd have thrown him off a helicopter. No, I wouldn't done that, you know, because that that would be a crime. But he just butt-stroked the guy and said, "Oh, he tripped falling out of the helicopter, or he getting off the helicopter, you know." He and he and he he got up to try to do it again. I damn it, he kept falling out of the helicopter onto the tarmac. He's the damnedest thing. Yeah. So, but yeah. So, you know, and then I, you know, a few months fast forward a few months later, I'm. And headquarters in between rotations and you know i'm going down to starbucks there you know the busiest starbucks in washington dc and and uh get my large vente you know triple caffeinated you know whatever overpriced coffee that um and there he is in the hallway and he comes walking right to me and says you know you you shouldn't have done what you did you ruined my career i mean this is in the hallway there's people walking to and fro and i'm like dude really you want to do this here you know, you want to go in the cafeteria and like sit down so you can at least like not look like a total butthead. And he just kept going. And, and finally, I'm like, you know, 
I'm done. You know, yeah. you, you got a problem with me, you know? And he says, you come back here. I'm going to, you know, I'm like, he's starting to bow up on me. I'm like, really, dude? He <laughs> you fired a grenade. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. That's you know. on you. Yeah. And so I I go back and by this time I'm like, I don't need my effing Vente coffee. I'm like, Ugh. and my boss goes, what's wrong? I says, remember I told you that? Cause I had, to, I told him what yeah, happened. Yeah. And I said, well, I just, he just like, he wanted to, he says, he what? I says, oh yeah. He says, that's, he stomps out of the office. He goes to see that guy's boss in the building. And I don't know. I've never, I never saw the guy again. I, I don't know. Maybe he's, maybe he's still guarding uh, the weather station in Nome, Alaska or something like that. I have no <laughs> probably, fucking clue. Probably an, an alert candidate or some shit. But, yeah. So, hey, but, you know, I mean, so I guess the long, the long winded explanation here is that the agency were not all supermen. I mean, those, like I said, those guys on the, on, on first casualty, they were the Titans. And then a lot of us aspired to be, you know, nearly as good as them. Um, but there's, but there's also, you know, like any large organization, there are people that anchor the bell curve at the other end yeah. and they're, you know, not, not good people. Yeah. It's, you know, which is why that book beyond repair is, I think you will, you'll probably call me up and say, Hey, you want to do another interview? I just read the, I finished that book. I want to hear your thoughts on it. So, because there's more stories, but and you'll Sam say, tells some good ones. And you'll say no. You tried to get me to endorse you for sniffing children. No, no, no. I'll just, I'm, I'll just, no. Actually, people, what he wanted to do was really he wanted to help Jill Biden and Philadelphia yesterday. You know, you know, like no, we don't want to fuck Joe Biden. We'll fuck Jill Biden. <laughs> Never mind. No, that's really I'd... sick. No. God. I... <laughs> God. You just, God, quick. You, you just so did yourself. You just did yourself and you're you're the grenade guy. Don't fucking come to me for help. You just did that to yourself. You just did that to yourself. You're yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, see, that's what happens when I, see I got a P2 now, so you know. Yeah, but I'm I'm just sticking it out because I'm a like, tough guy. All right. Well, you know, there's no trophy for it. People are like, why do you go to the bathroom in the middle of a podcast? I'm like, I don't know how to like nicely say this, and it's because I have never had on a guest that I respect more than my own desire to use the restroom. No offense, but it's just like, are you a sitting head of state? Like, I don't know, man. Like, if I got to pee, I got to pee. You should tough it out. For what? For why? For who? Eat a dick. Fuck off. Yeah. Um. Anyways. Odd, like, oddly territorial and random. Like, what a weird hill to die on. <laughs> you're, okay. you're really defending that whole fucking peeing on the podcast thing. Yeah. <laughs> It's okay. I, I I I think it's brave. Yeah, I don't give a shit. I just don't give a shit. I mean, I would have brought an empty Gatorade bottle along and just you know. But even that that implies like giving a shit, you know. Like it's it's again it's like what Tim Dillon, the comedian, says about lying. Because if someone lies to you, it's because they care. If someone says, "Hey, I can't be there today. I've got a fucking you know my puppy's having a whatever eye surgery." Mm-hmm. Like, no, you're not. But the act of lying shows that they didn't want to just outright say fuck off and not show up. So to me, like it's the inverse of that for me to make any deviation shows that I genuinely care what the guest or the audience thinks. And I just don't, I I think I have respect for every guest I have on, but at the same time, like, no, yeah, I know (laughs) the bathroom, Tommy, you should at least pause it. No, that would mean I have to put my finger on the mouse pad and press a button. Which is more than I care about. <laughs> well, then there's an odd silence in the middle. Fast forward 30. It's free content. 
No one's paying me for this. <laughs> Trust me, they're not. I would know. I wouldn't be in this fucking apartment if I was making money. Like, so no, the uh, this is the hill I die on. This is the canary. That's fine. That's that's okay. If Spotify wants to pay me a tenth of a billion dollars, I'll edit that. I'll wear a diaper. I'll edit that shit out, whatever they want. But until then, fuck off. And see, you're going to be more like the hair-sniffing pudding head that we have as president more and more if you wear a diaper. diaper. If I start wearing a diaper and sniffing kids, I'll be president by next year. God help us. Yeah, that would be a downhill thing when I eventually announce my my presidential. How old do I have to be? Uh, 35. Oh, I can, fuck. I am 32 now. I can't run in the next one. Run for the Senate. You know, to be spend, for spend 50 years in the U.S. Senate and never have a real job. Yeah. That's the way to go. Yeah. Revolving go. door. Just, yeah. Eventually walk in at Raytheon or something and just have it be. Yeah. The real way to go is, no, you become president and then you just give speeches where everyone pays you back for the favors you did surreptitiously <laughs> over the next 20 years where you just get $800,000 for giving a 30-minute speech. Yeah, that says nothing. Yeah, that's what maybe that's what I need to get into. Yeah, is interviewing ex presidents and then be sponsored by Goldman Sachs and Raytheon and their advertisement dollars. I will then pay to the guest coming. I'll be. You will be part of the military industrial complex, man. I'll I'll have made it. I'll have finally made it. And and all of us and all of us people, you know, Dale and Rick and myself, will all say, "Wow." Did you remember Tommy before he became before he became part of the bought the in crowd? You know? Yeah. Before he became a whore for the money. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, he was such a he was such a great guy. He was he was funny. He was yeah. he was interesting. He challenged us. Wait, hold on, Tommy's he, calling me right now. Hey, he wants to hire us. Yeah, Tommy's a great guy. <laughs> Do you remember that? Oh no, he was paying what? Yeah, like I've always said, always been a big fan of Tommy. You guys will be right there with me. Yeah, no. I yeah. I like where I live. I like being retired. Yeah, no. The, yeah, the, you can see where the delusion never stops. Where I'm like genuinely entertaining on how do I get bought off by Raytheon? Well, you could be like Lloyd Austin. You could be dumb as a box of rocks. And that uh, guy is retarded. That guy's genuinely retarded. Yeah, yeah. I think I could do that. I think I could wear the face shield with 19 masks and just oh, walk around like Darth Vader. I remember when he came to Afghanistan and when he was the four star. And uh, we br- we briefed him. I was on. I after I retired, I got recalled to be on a general, st- the three star staff in uh in in Afghanistan. And uh, so Lloyd comes showing up with his his entourage, and we prepare. You know, here we are in Afghanistan, and and we're starting to do the drawdown, and it's it's very um, well thought out with with lots of off ramps in case the administration decides to plus up or, or, you know, hold the line at, at whatever the current numbers are of equipment and, and troops and that sort of thing and, and where they're at. And so lots of, lots of safety valves and so on. And I, I guess we were using multi-syllable words or something. I, I, you know, Lloyd was just right over his head and he asked a couple of questions and I'm like, Oh my God, I can't, this guy made four stars. He, should never have gone beyond lieutenant colonel, let alone you know. But there's reasons he got, he got where he got. He's he was a political animal, and uh, there we go. Is that and and we'll wrap this up in a minute because I do Thank have to you, run. Because I do have to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
I don't know, maybe it'll be another podcast, but it really does seem that's what it is at the uppermost levels. Oh, it is. Sort of, right? It's, there's, there's maybe less than five general general officers that are either active or recently retired that I would work for, follow in a, in a heartbeat without questions asked. Cause I, I know that I know the, the character of them, that they're the content of their character and yeah, but all the other ones that I've worked with and around, you know, admirals and generals and who boy, never, not in a million years. I think we should spend some DARPA R and D money on resurrecting or cloning Eisenhower. I'd like to clone George Marshall. I think you get the whole crew, Marshall, Eisenhower, Patton. Keep him on, like Eisenhower did, keep him on a yeah. leash, but bring that yeah. Patton. Same with yeah. LeMay. As yeah, JFK well, said, you don't want LeMay leading the war, but if you have to I go met, to war. I met Curtis LeMay. You met Curtis LeMay? I met Curtis LeMay. He uh, he was in a wheelchair. He was obviously very ill, and but he came to visit Strategic Air Command when I was stationed there in Often. 78, 79. And uh, yeah, and uh, we all we all sort of passed and shook his hand, and and uh, you know he just kind of gave us. I mean, but his eyes were like, oh shit, is my gig line off or my ribbons screwed up? I mean, but yeah, I mean it was, but it was still an honor, you know. I mean, just yeah. to, and the uh, the commander in chief of of SAC at the time, they still called him commanders in chief, Sink SAC, was uh, Richard Ellis. And Ellis had won the Distinguished Service Cross in uh, flying bombers in the Pacific Theater in World War II. So he was uh, so he was also a warrior. That's so cool. So, I want to clone Curtis LeMay. It'd be something. It'd be fucking wild. My favorite Curtis LeMay story is he's he's smoking a cigar, looking at a bunch of B thirty six peacekeepers, and like there's just fuel every all over the runway and, and on the tarmac, mm-hmm. whatever the fuck. And he's smoking a cigar, and some like young guy looks at him because General, you really shouldn't be smoking that, you know. Like in a single ember falls, these all these planes will go up in flames. And he <laughs> looks at the planes and he goes, "They wouldn't dare." That's right. That's right. Curtis <laughs> Lemay. But nope. Mr. Mueller, let's yep. wrap this one up. Thank you so much, man. It's always fun. You're welcome. I appreciate. See, now your we have patience. subject for next time. If there is a next time, it'll be a next time. It's entirely up to you. I I I push. It's brinkmanship. Nuclear brinkmanship. I push guests to the limit, and then I'm like, the ball's in their court. Will they accept the next text? Hey, you want to do an episode? Yeah, yeah. You know you know, you can count on me. I, You know, it, it feeds my ego. Ah, fuck that. And, that, and that's the weakness of everybody. There's only been one person that's ever told me, we're not doing this again. And I, I, I don't, out of professional respect, I won't say who it is. But they've only, uh-huh. been, on, they've only been on once, and uh, they were very adamant about not coming on again. So that was right. a, no. I have no little I have little, no little, little trivia. Anybody can find out who that is, but uh, <laughs> I'll tell you one day. It was a rather. It's yeah, funny. I'm not even gonna. I'm not, not gonna elaborate anymore. That's okay. That's but all it's, right. It's funny. <laughs> um, but with that, right. Mr. let's wrap this bitch up. I'll put your Twitter in the description. Um, I'll send it to you when it's up. And uh, appreciate your time, man. As always, yeah. thank you so Easy much, day, brother. All right, thank you so much. God bless America.